I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Calling all Kung Fu movie fans in the UK, this month we have teamed up with Dazzler Media to give away three copies of the film Ip Man Kung Fu Master on Blu-ray in this month's competition. The film sees action star Dennis Toe return to the iconic role of the legendary Wing Chun master Ip Man. To be in with a chance of winning a copy of the film, simply sign up to our newsletter at kungfumovieguide.com. Full competition details will be announced in our next newsletter, which will be released on the 30th of April 2021, so that's next Friday. So become a registered Foo follower today for your chance to win a copy of the film Ip Man Kung Fu Master on Blu-ray, courtesy of Dazzler Media. You can also head over to Amazon right now to pick up your copy of the film on Blu-ray, DVD and digital. Okay, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the show, episode 67. It features my conversation with action movie royalty, none other than the director Isaac Florentine. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, hello, hello there, food followers around the world, everywhere, wherever you are in the world listening to this, welcome. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host, Ben Johnson. That is me. I'm speaking to you from my home here in London. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. We have a great guest on today's show. This is the second episode in our sixth season of podcasts. And it's a great conversation that I had with none other than Isaac Florentine. I was very excited to speak to Isaac. I've been a huge fan of his work over the years. You know Isaac, of course, from his work with the martial arts star Scott Adkins. They introduced the character of Yuri Boyka to the world, of course, through the Undisputed franchise. But there's also the Ninja films as well. There's Close Range, Special Forces. Their most recent film together was Seized from last year, 2020. And any fan of martial arts cinema will be well aware of Isaac and his work and his humble beginnings, of course, having picked up many tricks of the trade during his stint working within the world of the Power Rangers, of course, for many years. It's very much a free-flowing deep dive into his creative process and his influences and his journey in the business and as a martial artist himself, of course. So I do hope you enjoy that conversation. It is coming up in a little bit on today's show. A few other bits of news before we do get into that. Yes, I am more than aware, of course, that I'm speaking to you during Mortal Kombat week. 
The film lands in cinemas on IMAX screens and on HBO Max in the USA on the 23rd of April. So that's this Friday. Now, I have not been given any links to this film. I have not seen it yet, so I am waiting patiently along with everyone else to see this movie. And I'm very, very excited. In the meantime, I will draw your attention to the chats that I had last year with two of its stars. That's Ludi Lin. Ludi plays Liu Kang in the film. And also Joe Taslim. Joe plays Sub-Zero in the movie. So do check out those previous episodes if you do want a bit of a MK fix uh, ahead of the film's release this week. We did chats a little bit about their experiences making the film the trailers look amazing i am specifically avoiding reading any reviews of this movie i do want to see it uh, as soon as it lands so uh, i will of course publish my thoughts on the new mortal kombat film on our website kungfumovieguide.com also we heard some more good news last week we heard that warrior the tv show is returning for a third season on hbo max now we have been huge supporters of this show since it first aired on cinemax in 2019 we have had one of its executive producers shannon lee daughter of bruce lee on the show to talk about Warrior as well as its stars Andrew Koji, Jason Tobin and Joe Taslim again. Joe is literally everywhere (laughs) at the moment and uh, we also spoke to the show's stunt coordinator Brett Chan. Now this news is great validation to all the fans out there who petitioned for there to be a third season when it was announced that Cinemax were no longer going to be producing original content, there was a concern there as to the future of Warrior. So, look, this is amazing news. It's great to see that the Warrior story will continue and we'll get to see all of those great characters again for a third season. If you are new to Warrior, then we do recommend it. It's, it is a great show. Do Check it out. Both seasons are available in the USA on HBO Max, and you can also pick up a copy on Blu-ray. Now, there is one more thing that I did want to mention before I throw over to my conversation with Isaac. Last week, we heard of the very shocking and sudden news that we had lost someone who was not only a, a personal friend of mine, but also a former guest on this very podcast. We learnt of the death of the Italian actor and martial artist Max Rapossi. Max was only 33 years old when he passed away. And I first met Max at the Fighting Spirit Film Festival here in London a few years ago. And we kept in touch ever since. And we were actually looking forward to catching up again at the next Fighting Spirit event. Max was always so supportive of the Kung Fu Movie Guide and he was a very kind and generous and a very talented guy. He was a Kung Fu practitioner and uh, he had those movie star looks and he had the moves and I'm sure he would have made a serious inroads in the action film industry. So my heartfelt condolences go out to his close friends and family at this very sad time. Now, I'm going to put the brief conversation that I recorded with Max at the end of this 
episode. It was recorded at the 2019 Fighting Spirit Film Festival here in London, and it appeared on episode 43 of this podcast. I'll play the chats in its entirety during the outro in tribute to Max Raposi, who has passed away at the age of 33. Remember, any comments, questions, feedback or any messages that you would like to send me, either with regards to this show or the podcast in general, then please do contact me. We do love hearing from you guys. You can follow the Kung Fu Movie Guide on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And you can send me an email. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, then we continue with episode 67 of the show. My guest today is the director Isaac Florentine. Now, this conversation was recorded over Zoom in March of this year, 2021, and Isaac didn't he didn't have anything to promote ahead of this call or anything. We just basically locked in a time and we had quite a rambling chat. We do cover quite a bit of ground on this, so I do hope you enjoy it. You can learn more about Isaac and read reviews of his many great action movies via our website, kungfumovieguide.com. You can also keep up to date with Isaac on Facebook. His name on Facebook is Isaac.Florentine. I will be back at the end of this conversation with a little bit more talking, but until then, here we go then. This is my chat with the great Isaac Florentine. Florida then. So you're based you're based in Florida. How long have you lived in Florida for, Isaac? I here ten years ago. Yeah. After living in Los Angeles for 23 years, yeah, my wife, that was a physician, got a position here to be the head of the pathology department in two hospitals. By then, the kids were out of the house, and uh, yeah, we just came here. Uh, sadly, she passed away from cancer four years ago. But meanwhile, I really fell in love with Florida, and I stayed. It's yeah. where I live is the antithesis to Los Angeles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and is that good? Are you glad? Are you happier being away from Los Angeles? Yes, because I live in a small town. I live by on the water. I have this little boat, tiny little boat that I take almost every morning to drink coffee. You know, it's very relaxing. Nice. And the place, a karate dojo there that I go, I teach voluntarily a few times a yeah. week. I was going to say, are you are you training? You're training still. You're teaching still. Then are you? Yeah, I still train and teach. I love Good. it for fifty years now. Yeah, I love it. With what's going on in the world at the moment, and everyone's locked in their homes, it's hard to uh, <laughs> to get out and train as much, I guess, as as we used to do. But um, have you found a way around that, Isaac? Are you still yeah. keeping up with your training? Yeah. Not as much as before, but I train, I put a mask on it, and I actually see the advantage of it, and I, I said it in the dojo, I said it to the students, I said, look, let's make a lemonade out of lemon. I mean, yeah. it's very hard to train your feet. That means you have to push harder. That means it's good for your stamina. So yeah. I see it in this way. I, so I actually embrace the mask, and I like it. Good. <laughs> good. <laughs> 
And are you noticing, I mean, you've dedicated your life to the martial arts and uh, karate, obviously, in particular. But, you know, as, you get in, as you're getting older, the body's changing. And have you had to sort of switch your training up as a result of that, Isaac? Uh, not really, but I think okay. old injuries are uh, sometimes popping back. Yeah. Maybe the stability is not as good now that I'm on my 60s like I was in my 40s or 50s or 30s, but it's nuance, you know? I think that yeah. the more you train, the more you keep, keep in shape, the, 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 the body stays, you know? It's like uh, the body is used to it. Has it affected any of your projects at all, Isaac? Is there stuff that you were working on or about to work on that has been affected by, by what's going on? Yes, we, yeah. it was... Uh, like a year ago, uh, a project that we I was supposed to do, and uh, because of COVID, it uh, was pushed, and basically it's it's not happening, you know. Yeah, that's what I know with me, and I know with others that uh, it was for a long time there was uncertainty, and things were cancelled. Yeah. And uh, even now, I'm not sure how uh, strong they uh, they return to uh, to the movies. Yeah, because I guess if you're a big budget movie and you can work around a lot of the various things that need to happen now on set, I mean that's that's uh, one thing, isn't it? But if you're working in a lower budget realm, it's it's really it's tricky, isn't it? It must be. Absolutely. Quite tricky, yeah. Absolutely, it is tricky. So the last movie that I saw of yours was Seized. So that came out last year here. So I've count, I've worked that out. That's your ninth film with Scott. That's including Boyka Four. Although I know you didn't end up directing Boyka Four, but you did um, produce the movie. Working with Scott, you guys obviously go you know way back. It's nearly twenty years uh, since um, Special Forces, so you have this great working relationship and this great dynamic. I'm just wondering, is that how much has that relationship evolved over the years? Would you say, Isaac? I think we both learned. I mean, it, it was, when we did Special Forces, Scott was only in his first few steps in the movie business. Yeah. And I was a much younger director. And since then, I think he evolved a lot, not only as an actor, but as a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, which really helps me because uh, it's always a collaboration. It's always a collaboration. And... Uh, he knows what's in my head. I know what's in his head and uh, his ideas. You know, some actors, when they give an idea, they don't see the whole picture. And Scott actually sees the whole picture. He, sees, he really sees it as a filmmaker. So it really helps uh, when I work with him or actors like him that they understand the process and they don't see the scene they see the whole movie i mean it's strange that that should be unique but i guess you know ego can get in the way sometimes on a film set can't it but you know i think scott would be the first person to admit that you know it isn't just about you know the individual it's a whole 
it's for the good of the movie, isn't it? These decisions. Yes. You see, some actors, when they come to the set, they kind of, they go to work. Scott wants to work. Yeah. So when he comes, he comes with this tremendous energy and tremendous drive to do his very, very, very best. Yes. Yeah. So it's pleasure somebody like this is there still stories you guys want to tell i mean i guess you still keep in touch quite a bit i'd imagine yeah, absolutely yes yes there are and it will happen are the challenges that you used to face when you first started directing are they similar challenges that you're still experiencing today your shooting schedules whether there's enough budget i mean are these things that you've always had to work around or is that got easier over the years it's never easy it's still there uh, on on a different level the always the challenge for me is and i have it in every movie doesn't matter which budget is to finish the day the way that i planned it because you plan the day you plan the shots you plan the scene with a certain shots the certain way that you can want to tell the story and you always want to be more intricate, not for the sake of intricate, but to tell the story in a more smooth way, more cinematic way. Yeah. You uh, try to achieve what you have in your head, in your mind, without compromising. And this is always, uh, it's always there. And just to quote Boaz, Boaz used to say, then I listen to my best friend. And who is your best friend? Your stomach, yourself, you know? Yeah. The challenges are always there, the days, the amount of days. And once you start the day, to finish the day, the day the, in the way you wanted it. Therefore, when I go to a set, I want to shoot almost from the beginning. I don't want to spend time on... There is... I don't like spending time, okay... What are we going to do next? Because I know what we're going to do next. But to over-discuss things and over-analyze things, we shoot. So the number of days you'd get on, uh, I don't know, Desert Kickboxer, say, compared to what you would be getting on Seized. I mean, I don't know how long Seized, how long you had for Seized, but yeah. So, so it depends on the budget of the movie and what are the days. For instance, Undisputed 2, we shot for... 30, we were supposed to shoot 36 days. By the second day, I got a phone from Boaz Davidson and he says, look, uh, uh, New Line bought the movie. I can add days. He said, absolutely add days. So I shot for 39 days. Great. Uh, Is that I, your longest? Is that Was that your longest shoot? Uh, I think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, Undisputed 3, sadly I shot 30 days. Undisputed 4, we shot for 28 days. Yeah. So it's like, and days, I mean, days is quality. You can see the quality of Undisputed 2. It's got really nice quality into it because you had the time to work. Seas was shot in 19 days. Wow. So, uh, tricky. Tricky, yes, absolutely yeah. tricky. Also, uh... Because the thing is, Isaac, you've sort of set a standard for your, particularly around the action sequences that you film, 
there's a high standard there's a high bar that you set yourself and i i know when you enter a new project i guess you must go in with that mentality of you know there's an expectation here the days are really shrinking but we've still got to supply quality action i mean do you absolutely yeah but do you feel sort of pressured before starting projects thinking like that or not it's not a pr- it's not an outside pressure it's an inside pressure too yeah. i want to do better you know it's like yeah. i went into the movie business coming from a little child growing, growing up in israel and seeing spaghetti westerns yeah i had a dream it's a, que- a weird dream to do b movies i don't want to do a movies i wanted to do b movies yeah i still have the dream you know i still had a, 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 a want i have the love to this type of movies. So when I do a movie, I want in that I, I want that the story and the character will work, but I want that the action will come out and will be have some extra quality into it. Very well. You've chosen to die. You've got that thing that I would imagine every director's looking for, and that is a sort of a style. I watch so many action movies, and you do, you know, it is it is hard to tell sometimes, you know, oh, who directed this? But you know when you're watching an Isaac Florentine film. So was that always your intention when you started out in this business to try and come up with your own unique way of filming, your unique take on it? Or would you say it did just evolve naturally over time? It did evolve, and, and, and this is the way that it started. When I was doing, let's say, in high school, I did some stuff in Super 8, but I had like one little role. And with that little role, I couldn't say, let's roll camera and then action. I used to say first action, then I used to roll the camera. And I used to edit before I cut, because that's, I mean, you have only one role, you know? So it taught my mind to think of what I really need and how I will edit a, a certain scene before I shut the scene. So this is what is called edit to camera. They used to use it also in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong cinema. Then, so this was natural for me. This is how I did my uh, uh, student movie when I finished Tel Aviv University. That was the way that I did it. When I came to the States, the concept here or the way that they work is, no, let's do a master and let's cover, which maybe can work for a dramatic scene, but definitely cannot work for an action scene because by the third blow, you're not in your mark and it will look like a miss and the camera is not composed right to glorify the action because you you do want to glorify the action. So when I started doing Power Rangers, the reason why I was brought to the series was they were shooting it and they were in the beginning they used to shoot it the American style, Master and Coverage, and they saw that it's not blending right with the Japanese footage. They didn't know whether to bring somebody from Japan or to work with me. The producers know me. They said, look, we know somebody is from Israel, but he knows this style. Let's try with him. So when I started doing it, I started really directing every day. Once you start to direct every day, you gain, you 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 start to understand the craft. You uh, you can experiment. I I use it as a lab to uh, try new things. 
And I took it to another step further when I did the WMAC Masters. So by my third movie, which was High Voltage, this is when I really, I came, I, it was stylistic, it was that style that went with me. Not because I wanted to create a style or my own style, it felt the best, the best way for me to tell a story. Uh, it becomes a style, but it's not that it's a showing off style, this is my style. No, I find it to be the best and more, most cinematic way to tell a certain story. Yeah. With the action, to, uh, whether it's drama or action, now with the action, the right way of shooting action is sequentially. And if you have talent, uh, talented people like Scott or Michael J. White or yeah. uh, Gary Daniels, you can do a lot of stuff because they are also athletes. They, they, have, uh, they, they move beautiful, you know? Yeah. You cut. So it gives you an edge. You can hold the shot and, 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 and do better and better stuff, which becomes more complicated. But I think even though the audience maybe doesn't understand the language of cinema and what's a cut, what's not a cut, they feel it within and it works for them. It feels real, even though it's never real, it's smoking mirrors, but you could see that there was effort thrown into it. Yeah. And so it was not a style in order to create this style. It was, let's do the best we can. And that's the best we can. You know, yeah. we try to do our very, very, very best. But did you face any conflict when you initially came to Hollywood and you're making movies in the 90s when, as you say, it was a master shot? You can see it in those, you know, Don the Dragon Wilson films or, or whatever. That Those movies were shot in a very particular way. And then you're coming in with this, you know, as you say, it's a Hong Kong style of filmmaking, isn't it? Following the action very close up moving the camera as well, you know, integrating the camera into the fight choreography. Were you getting producers saying, like on your back saying, Isaac, you've spent three days on a fight scene here. What's going on? Exactly. Yeah. First, when I came, you can hear my accent. I came to the States and people tell me you're an Israeli, you want to do American movies. And I said, yes, I'm from Israel, but it's not American movie, it's action movies, and it's an international genre. It doesn't matter in which, which language it speaks. It's yeah. an international genre, and everybody will understand it. So that was one hurdle. Second hurdle is, how come you're not shooting a master and a coverage? Once I came to Power Rangers, I was brought in order to work in that style of not master and coverage. Yeah. Remember going to South Africa and doing Cold Harvest, and they were used, they did a lot of movies there, but they were used to shoot master and coverage. And I remember there, and there's a scene Gary is jumping over the table and he's sliding on the table and he's shooting and things are falling. Yeah. And I remember the cinematographer that was also a director, Yossi, Yossi Joseph, Yossi Vine, he comes to the producer, they were very good friends, says, I don't understand. Three hours we are wasting on this jump into the table. I just don't get it, you know? Yeah. The producer, Joran Brazil, I worked with me before in high voltage. He knew exactly what I wanted to achieve. And he told him, wait until it's all 
cut together and you'll see. So for people that were not used to it, it was very new because I remember also going there and said, okay, put a zoom lens. And people were looking at me, you're out of your mind, who is using a zoom lens? And I said, just put a zoom lens, you know? I was very specific about where to put the camera, which, which, not only which lens, exactly the spot that I wanted, because I remember they put it in a certain spot, in a certain eye, I said, no. Uh, I, I took the camera, I moved it myself, lowered it a few, uh, like a couple of inches or whatever, and I said, that's the angle I want. Not this angle, but that. It was very specific, you know? Mm. So, uh, yes, but later, uh, let's say when I did already the second movie with Millennium that was in Bulgaria, or even in the first, they knew me, they trusted me. I was actually, I think, chosen to do these movies because of that Hollywood style or because of those action. But yeah. even Millennium, they used to tell me, we don't understand, suddenly you stop the movie and you are doing this fight dance in it, you know, because they were used to explosions. And there are other people there other uh, that were going to say, we actually love it that uh, you stop the movie and now you dedicate like a whole section to a fight that it's so detailed. Yeah. And, uh, at a certain point, it got traction. People liked it. Buyers liked it. The audience liked it. And uh, I continue to roll with it. I mean, it's such a wonderful thing to watch as well. It's very uh, visceral and powerful. And you can see the performers. That's that's the crucial thing. Because if you're working with a Gary Daniels or Michael Jai White, you know, Scott Atkins, Van Damme, whoever it is, these are guys who can do the moves. So let's not do the smoke and mirrors thing. Show the people doing the moves, you know. Exactly. So So it's very important for me to do a few things. First, it goes back to the dances of Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, or you see Donald O'Connor in- uh, Yeah, there's in, long takes. The rain, long takes, and you see them from head to toes. Yeah. And you also, also see the geography, because I remember before doing the first movie in South Africa, Avi Lerner calls me to his office and tells me, Isaac, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't understand anything. But the movies that are coming that we're doing in South Africa, I see them. I don't understand who is shooting at whom. Who is, where is this guy? Where is yeah. that guy? And I was laughing because I always had that, uh, that notion that you have, to, uh, you, you have to see the geography because otherwise it detaches the audience. The minute that it detaches the audience from the scene, you lost it. Yeah. So you're using talented people that can move. So you want to see the whole technique. And this is me being a karate a practitioner or a karate man, you can call it. I want to see the technique. I want to see that the technique is clean because that's my background. So I want to see the technique. I want to see where they are. I, I'll try not to cut all of this. And it brings a pace with the camera move. All of because suddenly the camera is not covering, it becomes a part of the action because it weakens to where it's at a certain timing, you know, it, 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 it's dynamic. It can be cheesy, but it's dynamic, you know what I'm saying? Shouting Shen will soon be dead. I've laid an ambush for him. Filthy traitor! You must have been watching a lot of the Hong Kong stuff. Were you watching that growing up and... 
studying the way that they were piecing their fight scenes together. Was that the inspiration then? The inspiration actually were Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah, uh, interesting. I still Hong Kong movies. Most of them I didn't like. I liked the movies with uh, Yasuki Kurata because of the karate guy had great techniques with Jun Liu, like Secret Rivals. I wanted to see techniques. I wanted to see techniques. Then I used to take to watch those movies and bring them to the dojo and try them in sparring. Needless to say that my biggest influence is Bruce Lee. That's a given because when I saw Fist of Fury in 1972, I remember this day I felt that my life really changed and I remember when I walked home, I walked on clouds. I was a kid. <laughs> you were young. You would have been young then, though, wouldn't you? Were you? I was about fourteen years old. Fourteen, yeah. And, and I and I and I tried this stuff in the dojo, and I I, I changed uh, techniques the, the way that he was doing, like the sidekick. I took his sidekick. You know, everybody was doing mm. it differently. I took his sidekick. Is he still someone that you would look to as a? Inspiration is he still someone that you re- would refer back to? Not still someone, he is the someone. <laughs> In my yeah. opinion, there is never ever somebody like Bruce Lee. His influence on me is tremendous, and uh, I don't think that no one, no one has the charisma that he had. No one. Yeah. Now, one more thing about the way that I shoot fights, so you'll understand. Yeah. Because it's edit to camera and you go along the fight, if you make a mistake later in editing, it's very, very, very hard to correct it. Yeah. Where if you do a master and coverage, it's easier to correct a mistake. My way looks better, but if you are doing a mistake, then you are. it's very hard. It's uh, basically don't do mistakes. Is that why you, because you use the same, I know Koichi Sakamoto, you've used Yuji quite a bit over the over the years. Yes, yes. Tim Mann, you, you use the same people, don't you? So, and that's because they just get your style. They know exactly what you're, what you're looking for. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. We think the same. And uh, I also worked with uh, JJ Perry and yep. uh, Larnell Stovall and with Tim Mann and uh, Tim Mann it's interesting because I met him really in Thailand and uh, I didn't know that he was from Sweden apparently he's from Sweden he was in Taekwondo at the dojo of my teacher that is a karate guy he's a karate sensei but he had a, a Taekwondo group in that dojo so it's like right small world you know yeah yeah well, I think in martial arts movie circles, they do because everyone sort of has worked together, knows each other, or is just, just a fan of their work. I mean, yes. Look, know. I met Dolph Rundgren in 1980. We both were training in karate in Stockholm. His best friend was my sensei's best friend. Yeah. And I was after my military service. I was training in the dojo. He was training at the Kyokushinkai dojo. I don't think at that time he knew that he would become an actor, and at that time I didn't think that I would become a director. But he, uh, <laughs> Isn't that first. funny? Yeah, and then you worked together, obviously, in um, exactly. Bridget Dragons. Yeah. saw him 18 years later, I came to his office in New York, and there was a big picture 
of uh, people from his uh, team. And I said, oh, this is Brian Fitkin, this is Oken Nicker. And it's like, uh, I recognize the people. And he looked at me and immediately remembered me. You know, he broke the ice. Oh, wow, that's great. That's great. Well, he's still so passionate about the martial arts, isn't he? He's an excellent karateka. I want to go back to what you were saying there, Bruce Lee, Sergio Leone. These are influences that you can see that in your work today. I mean, they are definitely two touch points, I would say, that um, that you can recognize in your work. That love of the Western, the spaghetti Western, and growing up in Israel, you're right, it does seem like there's a, a contradiction there slightly, but did you just love movies you would you just enjoyed getting lost in movies gr- uh, yes. growing up when i grew up israel was a small country had about two and a half million people then all the countries around uh, uh, were really enemies you know it's like you were like living in a little ghetto the, uh, there was no television so the outside influence was movies and uh, i love westerns but i kind of loved more the Italian Westerns than the American Westerns, even though I didn't even know where I didn't speak English. I didn't know that they were dubbed, not that it bothered me. Yeah. What I liked in the Italian Westerns, there was a, it, there was a feeling of, it was raw. It was not as slick as the Americans. Yeah. And I loved that muddy rawness feeling that they had. That's because they were low budgets. Yeah. And, uh, also, they cut to the chase. There was no, there was no waste of time in too much dialogue and a love story. I remember seeing John Wayne as a kid and asking my my brother. My brother is eight. Uh, my oldest brother, eight years older than me, said, "How come those young ladies are falling in love with this fat old guy?" It's, it doesn't make sense to me, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> the Italian Western didn't uh, waste the time. They they basically cut to the chase, you know, cut to yeah. the action. And the action was raw and violent and fast. Is that one-eyed bastard here? Who the hell are you? You dare call our boss that? I guess it's one thing just being into movies, but then thinking, well, I do want to make that my career. But I, I, I'm also aware that it took you a little while, didn't it, to fully jump into that as a as a career. Is that fair to say? Because I know you were teaching karate for, for a long time, weren't you? Look, when uh, I used to say both my parents were Holocaust survivors. Uh, uh, it's kind of sometimes when you are your parents are Holocaust survivor, even to drink to dream big is a luxury. Yeah. So I never really thought or even dare to think that what I will come and I will do movies. I mean, it's like coming from a tiny country to 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 here. You know, I didn't want to do movies in Israel because the industry there. There, I mean, the movies there are either artistic movies or political movies or uh, not my cup of tea, not really. I wanted, to, if to do movies, I wanted to do those B movies, B action movies. That was where my heart was. Yeah. And it took me time to come with that uh, conclusion. It's gradually, uh, because after my military service, I said, okay, I want to study something that is interesting for me and it was cinema. I opened a dojo, it was a successful dojo. I think when I saw American Ninja, yeah. and on Pictures and Sam Fissenberg was a director, later we became really good friends. 
I said, I remember I was married and I told my wife, you know something? I want to do this kind of movies and I think I can be successful in it by doing them. And uh, she actually was born in the States. She came to Israel. She didn't want to hear. Uh, the, only the notion of returning to the States was like totally foreign for her. Mm. She, wanted to, she wanted to cream me. Yeah. Uh, but eventually we came and... Uh, Did you have kids at that point? No. No, okay, okay. Kids were all born here. When she, we came here, she was pregnant with uh, our first kid. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say that's a real, you know, throw roll of the dice, isn't it? That, you know, yes. this is... Yes. Uh, but she must have believed in you. I mean, I know you'd had some success in Israel as a filmmaker already by that point. That is true, isn't it? You'd done... Yeah, but it was just yeah. a student movie, which actually, which actually uh, brought me into a realization that I, I, as a filmmaker, want to do this type of movie. There's nothing for me to do there because they, they, there is no real industry there. Yeah. Maybe now. But these type of movies, I'm talking about the late 80s, were uh, not even rarity. They were none. They were non-existent, you know? You went to the States with that ambition to make big action movies. That was your thing. Big That's what you wanted to do. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I didn't have big dreams. I was realistic. You know, I'm not yeah. a dreamer. I'm, I'm, I, let's say, let me rephrase this. I'm a dreamer, but my hands are on the ground because I think that training in karate, karate, martial arts, teaches you how to set up realistic goals and how to achieve them. I knew that I, in the B-movies, if I get the chance, I can make it. I never dreamed or never thought about the studios. Uh, I assumed that as a foreigner or my way will be blocked. And I knew that once I start to do B-movies, my, my name will be tainted. It's impossible to block. And I was happy with, if I will do those movies and will do them regularly, that's good enough for me. And uh, that's what happened. I mean, it wasn't easy even to do this, but... Uh, yeah. And it took a few years, really, to get that first film under your belt, didn't it? I mean, I know you were you were doing fight choreography, second unit for a little while but you know there was a were they quite lean years then when you first when you first got to america just sort of find finding your feet yes it was you come to a strange big world Uh, you adopt uh, i mean different language yeah but the language is a language it's a different mindset so yeah. it's a different mindset. You have to get into the mindset. Uh, thank God America is a very, very fair country. People here are nice, they're fair, they're decent. It's a decent country. In the process, I really fell in love with it, you know. Yeah. In the beginning, and at the end, I really, really fell in love with the yeah. United States. But do you miss Israel? Do you go back quite a bit? I went back a few times. Yeah, quite a bit. Yes, my uh, two of my kids are there. Yeah, the third is going there. The heart is always there, and even where I lived in the lane was in a very uh, the neighborhood was very Israeli slash Jewish. Yeah, I never left it. You know, it's always yeah. 
know, uh, it's my identity, especially of uh, somebody who grew up in Israel and somebody that uh, uh, the, the history of my parents, you know, uh, absolutely. I mean, the identity is still there. Absolutely. Very strong. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You bastard! You just keep your nose out of this! Right now, it's my business. Oh, is that so? Now I'll kill you! The debut film, so Desert Kickboxer, did you see a lot of those B-movies that were being made at the time? Did you think, this is where the opportunities lie, really, I guess, you know, and I could carve out a little name for myself in in that world? So what happened is the original name was not Desert Kickboxer. It was once I finished the movie and it was sold to HBO, they changed it to that name. Yeah. Was was Kickboxer out at the time by any chance? Was Was that the connection? Exactly, and I yeah. was like, "Wow, don't do this!" Though. But they did it, and actually, it was Menachem Golan that was his company. Says I, Isaac, you should be happy; it will sell really well. And said it's a terrible name; it's a terrible name. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that, when, you know, the minute that you sell the movie, they change. I mean, for instance, the movie that I did a couple of years ago with Antonio Banderas was called Stoic. Stoic, yeah. Well, I spoke to Tim Mann, and he, it was, he was calling it Stoic at the time, but yeah, yeah, yeah that it changed. Acts of vengeance. There's nothing that you can do. I talked to the company, yeah, I, the distribution company, and they have their, their own, uh, uh, I, I understand their decision. It starts with an A. That means it pops up in, immediately. The movie is divided into acts, so it's really acts of vengeance, but uh, okay. originally it was Stoic. Yeah. So, uh, but I didn't see so much the movies that were done the, like uh, around that time. So you were finding your feet there with that movie and did you find the process once you you know had control over your own production did you suddenly think yes this is this is exactly what I should be doing? Yes. I, here's the thing I was lucky in all of the movies that I did I was lucky to work with wonderful producers yeah. that really gave me a full support of what I did. And that's really the role of a good producer. I was very, very, very lucky. Now, whether they gave it to me, they trusted me, or they realized that I know what I want to achieve, I don't know what's the reason, but all the way from the first movie, I was always blessed 
to have good producers that stood behind me and helped me and believed in me. That's already from the very, very first movie. The minute that you have, you feel support, but you are not fighting and bickering. You actually have a team and the, the head of the team, the producers, is they are behind you. You work with a peace of mind and you concentrate to do the best, to bring the best movie that you can bring. You've worked a lot with New Image slash, you know, Millennium Films now yeah. over the years. Um, that That's an example of that then, is it? So they're, they're producers who essentially say, look, Isaac, you know, this is your movie, you run with it. They don't interfere too too much then. Contrary. Millennium yeah. is taking, even going one notch up they're amazing in supporting and helping. And if there's a problem to solve it, they're an amazing company. They're a, just an amazing company, especially Boss Davidson. Yeah. I really owe most of the movies in my career to him. was always a, a big supporter and is my sensei when it comes to uh, to cinema. I call him my sensei. Yeah. And and Avi Lerner, you know, that, uh, but, uh, and other people in that company, it's, it's an amazing company. I mean, with the support that you get there is tremendous. These guys are looking to you. You're, you're sort of a safe pair of hands in that sense. You know how to deliver the goods. Avi told me once, he says, yeah, I'm not hiring you because you're my friend. <laughs> hiring you because I know that you, you bring, you do something good, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it will be painless, you know, for them. Yeah. So some people are troublemakers, some people are a trouble solver. So I'm a trouble solver, you know. Yeah. But yes, yeah. Because you see, some people, when they went into the movie business, they wanted to be, I don't know, Fellini, Bergman. Uh, yeah. I never wanted to. I wanted to do action movies. The only yeah. reason why I wanted. Oh, I went to film school and studied cinema. I wanted to do these movies. These movies, not the big blockbuster. I never wanted to, to do a movie like E.T. Oh, yeah. I well, I was, I was going to ask you that, Isaac. Is there, a, is there an Isaac Florentine rom-com just like in a drawer somewhere? <laughs> or uh, are you, you're happy in, in the action realm? I'm very happy where I am. Yeah. I mean, do, would I like to do an action movie uh, that is uh, a bigger budget? Yes, yeah. but I don't want to. I don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, CGI. I would try to do it uh, as authentic as possible. Would I want to do other movies, uh, bigger? Yes, historical movies. I'd like to do very much because history. I have a passion to history. Yeah, uh, is one of my biggest passion. Uh, but otherwise, I'm very I'm satisfied and happy uh, where I am. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. The key turning point was obviously landing the Power Rangers TV show. I'm, I'm guessing that that for you was a learning experience. I guess the, the deadlines were pretty tight, I'd imagine, to turn around uh, to work in television. But you're also exposed to, you know, Koichi Sakamoto, Alpha Stunts, you know, the, the work that they, they were doing on that show, which, you know, was exceptional. When I did the action there, it's before they brought them. I did it first season and Koichi and Alpha Stunt were brought later. 
the producers were in a dilemma in the first season whether to bring a team from Japan yeah. or to give it to me. Yeah. And went with me. And when I left to do uh, Savat, uh, the fighter, the way they call it, the, Jap- the Japanese team arrived. Was Koichi stunt coordinator on that, on Savat then, was he? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It okay. was, it was uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's, yes. So they were brought, Koichi was already living in the States. Uh, so, but basically, the beauty of Power Rangers is that I got a carte blanche to do whatever I want. Yeah. And uh, with full support. So, uh, and it gave me a lot of confidence to experiment, to try new stuff, to come to conclusions, to use and to apply those new things that I learned later into movies. Because you see a director sometimes does one or one movie a year, one movie every two years. It doesn't have a lot of confidence. When you direct every day, every day, every day, and that's what you do. Uh, you learn how to tell a story in the most economical way and the direct way. And when it comes to action, you know how, you know how to tell the action or to cover it or to direct it uh, same way, the best way, because yeah. you try this way, you try that way. And then you came with the best way that will work for you. And you must have been over the moon because it was such a success. I mean, my God, the Power Rangers is, you know, it's it was huge. Uh, yeah. When we shot it, I remember I started shooting Jason Frank when he just arrived. The Green Ranger. And I remember we shot the stuff with him first in, at the beach. And by the end of the week, we went to downtown Los Angeles and we were shooting the fights in with him. And people were standing on top of the roofs and they were cheering. Yeah. And I remember the same evening, they flew us to Vegas because there was a TV convention. And I was with the team, with the stunt team. And I was kind of replaying the reaction of the crowd in my head. And I said to myself, wow, this might be, this, this show has some chance to become a hit. Nobody thought about it. Nobody knew it. Nobody even uh, thought that uh, the Green Ranger will become a big success. Yeah. So much that when a few months later, by the end of the season, we did a shoot that was like a, a publicity shoot. And it was the stunt team and they all put the, the uniform of the Rangers, they didn't bring the uniform of the Green Ranger. And I called the studio, the office said, bring the Green uh, Ranger uniform. And they brought it, but we were were not enough people to put it. And uh, they told me, put it, put it, so I put it. And in some of the covers and uh, the publicity uh, pictures, it's me kicking. And I play so. As the Green Ranger. Yeah, because nobody, as Ranger, nobody thought that it would become a big hit, and especially yeah. Ranger, you know. I knew it because I worked with him. I mean, there's some really, you know, great work that was that was done on that on that show, which made it slightly different to what people had seen before, I guess. It's correct, but not only the uh, stunt department, all the departments, it was like a big family. Yeah. The art department, the... 
pirating. Every, all the departments were really collaborating because it was a great feeling and a great uh, camaraderie to do it. I mean, it, it resonated with me, Isaac, so I have to thank you for that. I watched a lot of, a lot of Power Rangers. And you worked on a show called Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills as well. And that was another show that I really enjoyed as well growing up. So I just had to tell you that. <laughs> Great work. This, I was brought to clean up some stuff that were... They shut that uh, series and it was supposed to go to US Cable. And they... Uh, U.S. Cable rejected it. And then they called me, they showed me the stuff, they asked me, can you fix it? And I looked at the stuff and I said, yeah, I can fix it. So we really reshot for the 40 episodes, we reshot some stuff. What was wrong with it then? It just wasn't, the action wasn't good enough. The, so when you are shooting, let's say it's very technical, but when you're shooting a giant, or a dinosaur, or somebody that is overly big. You cannot shoot it 24 frames. Because when you look at a big monster or whatever, his movement is a little bit slow to your yeah. right. Yeah. You have to shoot it in 28 frames. And also, you always look at it from very low angle. So they became giants. So you cannot shoot giants at a high angle. You have to shoot it from a low angle uh, on, with this kind of speeds. Yeah. So also the set was limiting. So you understand your limitation and you try to accommodate and actually use the limitation to make it into an advantage. Because if I can move only horizontally, okay, let's put a nice dolly, let's do some nice motion, put some nice stuff in the foreground. We know that we're shooting low angle, we know we're shooting 28 frames, and let's try to use it to the best we can to our advantage and uh, set up the action for these angles and not for other angles. You do have this background in making more sort of family-friendly, you know, kids' shows. Is there a part of that world that still, you think, translates into some of the, you know, the martial arts films that you've done? Uh, I don't think it's a matter of a kid show. It, it goes to the fact that I know what we're doing and I'm not trying to hide it. We're doing a B-movie. We, we're not sending a man to the moon. We're not curing cancer. Yeah. So let's yeah. don't take ourselves too serious. Yeah. What I learned from the Kichu, really from Power Rangers and WMAC Masters, is how to move the camera correctly and keep a shot and keep the rhythm in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I use sometimes the same language, uh, the same structure of the shot there, but I tweak it to, let's say, R rating and not PG rating. Yeah. The way with its... Uh, moodness, the way it's lit, the way it's set. Uh, but uh, no, it's not the fact that uh, I came from a kitchen. I tried to tell this, I served the script, you know. So you've got guts, but I'm going to bear you alive and jump on your head to revenge our sister. Even in Undisputed, the, the Undisputed franchise, there's a lightness there. I, it's difficult to pinpoint, but, you know, a sense of humor almost, you know, you have fun with these 
projects, it seems. And that must be a conscious effort from your part to really inject that that kind of energy into into your films. That's correct, because I didn't, I don't like Jane movies. So when I was uh, offered to do Undisputed 2, first they wanted to do it as a boxing movie. And uh, I love Walter Hill. Walter Hill is one of my favorite directors. And yeah. uh, I uh, remember... Uh, watching the movie, and then I talked to Boaz and said, look, Boaz, you can see that those people, they really, really love boxing. They were talking about the history of boxing. And I told him I want to do it as a mixed martial arts movie. And mixed martial arts then was just starting. Basically, at that point, he said, do whatever you want to do with the action. We trust you. Keep the story. But the story, I wanted, I was inspired more by uh, The Longest Yard of Robert Aldrich, with Burt Reynolds, that was a sports movie that happens in jail. Yeah. Not a proper jail movie. Because I remember seeing a jail movie that they did with Van Damme in hell, in uh, Bulgaria at yeah. that time. And I shot in Bulgaria, and it was a very depressing movie. I said, I will not do such a movie. I cannot do a depressing movie. I cannot do this, you know? Yeah. And uh, therefore, it was a conscious decision not to let the movie, even though it's in jail, to be claustrophobic, to keep it as a sports movie, and to keep some, you call it humor or whatever, to, yes, to, to, to it's a sport movie that happens in jail. That's what yeah. it is. It's, it's not fun because it's jail, but it's a sport movie that happens in jail. You had inherited the US SEALs franchise before that and did such an amazing job on the sequel, a very different um, sequel. Did they use that as a reference point to say, you know, so what you did with US SEALs, uh, can you do the same with this? <laughs> can you do the same with this? By then, I did also for them uh, uh, special forces and yeah. they knew what I, I can achieve, they knew what I, what I can bring them. You have to understand that Undisputed to happened only because they were shooting Black Dahlia. They were shooting a movie with Dolph called The Mechanic. Yeah. And then they were supposed to shoot Black Dahlia, but there was an Italian movie coming to Bulgaria and they were afraid that the crew will go to the Italian movie. So in order to leave the crew there, Undisputed 2 was created. Right. And so we kind of to fill up the gap. Yeah. And they came uh, to me because... Uh, they assume that I can deliver it. And uh, I uh, went with it and I, I read the script. And the minute that it started to snow in Bulgaria, you have to understand, I grew up in a country, I never saw snow falling until I was really in the jail in Bulgaria, shooting in jail and seeing snow falling. I never saw snow falling before because growing up in Israel, then living in Southern California, yeah, you see snow after it falls. I never saw snow falling, especially it's really stormed, you know. For me, it was like a, a, a total different experience. And I was so, it so much influenced me that the snow became a character in the movie. Yeah. It's a very cold film, isn't it? <laughs> and then at a certain point during shooting, I said, I think I'm doing a good movie here because everything that was the atmosphere that was there, the snow, the fact that you're shooting uh, scenes in the middle of a real jail. Uh, and, and, and I told the crew, listen, 
even though we, we know we're doing a B-movie, let's don't treat it as a B-movie, let's treat it as an independent movie, which puts you in a different mindset. Well, it's a, it's a sort of convergence of quite a number of amazing talent, talented people all at the same time, that film. So there's yourself and you are match fits having produced so many amazing films up to that point. But it's not just you, it's uh, Michael Jai White, J.J. Perry as well, coming in for the fight choreography. And Scott Atkins, who we have to say, you know, Scott Atkins was like your ace in the pack, wasn't he, in Special Forces? The way you just sort of used him in that film was was an amazing introduction to to what he could do. But clearly, Undisputed 2, you were thinking, no, there's, there's more Scott can do. And, you know, let's use this movie to really promote this guy as well. I mean, just amazing, talented people all working on the same film. So this is how it happened. When I read the script and I decided to do it as an MMA movie, I knew that only one actor can play George Chambers. That was Michael J. White. Yeah. Because I knew Michael before. Michael loves the same movies that I do. The Spaghetti Western is an excellent karateka. He's the real a karate guy, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 he's an excellent actor. I mean, just see how he played Mike Tyson with George C. Scott, yeah. and he was just in the beginning of his career. And you see George C. Scott and him, and it's like, wow, you know, yeah, he's such a veteran actor, and Michael is such a young actor. Yeah, so it was the obvious uh, choice for it. JJ, I knew before. I, I worked with him a little bit before, but uh, that was our really first uh, full movie working together. And then yeah, I'm going, I'm going with somebody that can trust one thousand yeah. percent. Now Scott, that was the enigma because yes, I worked with him in Special Forces before. This is the first time that we really tried him, and because he's not as tall or big as Michael, and he doesn't look like this big violent uh, role that Boyga was supposed to play. uh, uh, When I said I'm going to bring Scott, everybody thought that I'm doing a big, big, big mistake. People came and said, you're ruining your career. Don't do (laughs) The only person... Who did they want want instead? What other names? Can you remember? Uh, They wanted other actors. Yeah. So, so, So basically, the person that actually told me, look, you're the director, you make the choice. That was boss. You make the choice. You're the director, you know. And Scott told me at that time, he just he said, look, if I'll get that role, I'm going, I'm going to work so hard, train so hard uh, to fit it. And I believed him. You know, I just, I believed his word. So I told him, don't shave, don't cut your hair, grow a beard, uh, I flew to uh, Bulga- uh, Sofia, to Bulgaria. I told the wardrobe department, please build me a shoe with a platform of seven and a half centimeters, like three inches. Because, and- yeah, for the height again, because Michael Jai is quite a bit taller than Scott, isn't he? And I chose for Michael a thin jacket and for Scott a super thick jacket. And uh, since that we did with Michael and Scott, sometimes Michael was barefoot, you know, but it was a risk, but I believed in it. How fully formed was that character then? Because obviously Boyka's not in the first one. He was a new character uh, in the franchise in the second. 
undisputed. So I'm just wondering, did you and Scott, uh, you know, help to evolve that character together? Was it all on the page originally? How did that form? The page was pretty uh, laconic. What happened is I knew that I had a problem with Scott because Scott is not a Stolos Michael. It it doesn't look like a tough, bad Russian. So I said, I'm going to do anything that looks opposite Scott to make him look into a different character. I mean, so we cut his hair in a certain style. We started putting scars on him. We put, we, we put all the tattoos. Scott has no tattoos. Yeah. So I went there and they did stamps with those tattoos. But every tattoo that we thought of every tattoo, that's from Jay. The character became, because uh, in the beginning, the character is praying. said, okay, let's go if it make him really religious. And that tone in the later movies became more and more stronger that he's yeah. religious, you know? So we went with it. And uh, so anything that would make him look different than the real Scott. Now you have to understand it look, it was looking so different that after the screening that we had, we had a screening in uh, Paramount and the after the, and Scott was in the States when we screened it, he came to LA. He came with it to the office in Millennium. There was a movie producer there, Brian Etting. And he came to me and says, Isaac, I saw the movie yesterday. I really, really enjoyed it. And Scott told him, with his English accent, oh, I'm very glad that you liked it. We really worked hard on it. So he looks at Scott and he says, were you involved in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Scott, yeah. I'll give you a hint. I was in the ring and I'm not black. <laughs> yeah. And only then you could see his eyes changing and you realize that that is Scott. And Scott yeah. told me once he was in a conference with Michael J. White and people went to Michael saying, we really loved Undisputed and we love your roles and we love the way that you ended with Boyka and Scott is next to him. (laughs) They didn't recognize Scott, they recognized Michael, you know. Michael, this is Scott, you know. So it's amazing how people recognize Boyka more than they recognize Scott. Yeah. And I think he's had to deal with that, obviously, you know, going forward in in his career. Um, but he does completely embody that character so well. I mean, he's 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 excellent as um, as Boyka. But I wondered because there's there's little telling signs in Undisputed too, where you see sides to Boyka, where you start to you know develop sympathy. You know how much is he being played? You kind of side with the bad guy a little bit. So I'm wondering how much of that was you thinking, oh, we've got a good enough character here to not kill him off at the end. <laughs> uh, let's actually, you know, build, ultimately build the franchise around Boyka. I mean, when did you start thinking that that could be possible? I didn't think about this. I didn't think of a franchise. I just wanted that the character will be a little bit out of the box. And yeah. I want the character because... Uh, as a martial artist, to be honest, and, and I had this big argument, uh, not big argument, but discussion with uh, a Millennium. I was wanted him in the beginning to be really a bad guy. And I said, he cannot be a bad guy because he's a martial artist. If we're going to make him as a cheater, we're going to lose the audience. Yeah. He, should have, he should be cruel and tough and rough, but he should, uh, he should be honest in his own way. And... Uh, 
There was a shot in the movie, a scene that I took out, sadly, and, and it's after arguing and bickering, uh, that Michael is tied outside in the snow and was really tied in the so it was freezing cold. And we built like a wall in the real jail and the camera doll is back and you reveal that Boyka sees him through his cell and he turns to the camera and you see on his face that he feels remorse about it. Mm-hmm. And boss told me, what, you're making now the, the bad guy into a good guy. Yeah. Please take it out. And we argued and I, I caved, I took it out, you know. And uh, basically, uh, but it's it still, it was honest enough for the audience to like him that within his own way, he has honesty. And that's the beauty of the character. The character is non-apologetic. He's not apologetic that he's some kind of a grump, grumpy character that is not trying to be sympathetic. But within his own way, there is honesty. Yeah. And I think this is what appealed to the masses especially at third world countries that is is not apologetic you know he accepts his destiny and uh, he is very religious uh, he's not fighting with it and uh, he is within that situation that he lives in some kind of peace of mind. I was going to ask, because I read something, it may have been on The Hollywood Reporter, and it was a few years ago now, and there was a discussion at Cannes that Boyko is coming back in some way, maybe in a TV series or something. I don't know if you can speak to that, Isaac. Is that, you've heard about that? Let's be optimistic. Yeah. I can say. Great, okay. We'll leave that there then. <laughs> <laughs> What's got into you? Don't be so damn rude. You bastard. If you won't answer, I'm going to tear you to pieces. Don't think I'm afraid of you. Who do you think you are? I'm going to kill you. I loved what you did with Antonio Banderas in Acts of Vengeance. That was a great... uh, And you got a little role in the... You know, you put yourself in there as the the sensei there, which was was a nice little uh, addition, I thought. I had no choice because the stunt guys and the fight choreographer, they came to me and said, Isaac, we know you. You're a karate guy. If we bring somebody else that is a stunt guy, his karate will not be clean enough for you, you'll get upset. Yeah. You do. And I said, I'm, I, I'm very nervous in front of the camera. I did it. And the beauty is Antonio, there's something about Antonio Banderas. When I uh, worked with him, he told me, Isaac, I really uh, learn choreography very fast. And I told him, but Antonio, I'm doing stuff that is more complicated. He said, don't worry, I can do it. And I wasn't, and the stunt, the stunt team worked with him before. They told me, Isaac, you enjoy every second with him, and he really learns very fast. And I still, I was not, I was worried. And then we did a first fight, and it was so amazing. I was like, wow. And he came to me and says, I told you, I learned very fast. Yeah. He learns. He did really, he didn't want to stunt a, a stunt double. It's amazing. He didn't want to stunt double. He insisted on doing everything by himself. Wow. And he sees choreography once, twice, the third time he does it. It's amazing. He's, he's an amazing person, but an amazing actor. But the way that he captures and he does the action, it's like, it, it, it amazed me, you know? That must have been a relief to hear that. <laughs> that you know, because then at least you can get those lovely sort of close-ups and you can really show that it's him doing it then. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Isaac, I'll I'll let you go, and uh, yeah, let's hope we all get back to some uh, normality soon enough. For thinking about me, and thank you for uh, calling me, and thank you for your time. 
Great. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. Bye-bye. Isaac, Florentine, there. Great to chat to Isaac. I think I've seen all of his films. Or the ones that he's directed. Anyway, I've. it's not something you can say about every director, but um, he is someone whose career I have followed for a very long time. So it was a pleasure to chat to Isaac. His films are quite widely available, although you may need to do a little bit of hunting around for some of his 90s output. The stuff he's done with Scott Adkins is all very easy to find on the streaming platforms. And I do hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation. Isaac is on Facebook, Isaac.Florentine, and I'll be sure to put a link to his social media in the description of this show. So a huge thank you to Isaac for taking the time to talk to me for this episode of the podcast and a huge thank you, of course, to you, the loyal Foo follower who has stuck around to the very end of this podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. So it's almost time for me to sign off for another episode. But before I do, just a reminder that if you do like the show, please do tell a friend leave a star rating write a review subscribe to the show using your podcast provider you can also donate to the kung fu movie guide whatever you can do to help spread the word of the website and the podcast that is greatly appreciated all donation links and contact information can be found on our website kungfumovieguide.com okay we will be back of course, in two weeks' time with another new episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Before I go, as promised, I will leave you now with the full conversation that I had with the Italian martial artist and actor Max Raposi, who has died at the age of 33. This conversation was recorded at the Fighting Spirit Film Festival in September 2019, and it formed part of episode 43 of this podcast take care foo followers wherever you are and i will see you next time on the kung fu movie guide podcast bye for now i'm here with uh, max raposi really nice to meet you max nice to meet you uh max give people a bit of a, a sort of overview of uh, some of the, the work that you've done yeah um, I'm a martial artist, and as a martial artist, I was growing this need to get into into movies. So uh, started to go to Hong Kong and trying to get in, into movies. And then it ended up la- last year, uh, I worked in a movie called Vixen. Yeah. With uh, direct- directed by Ross Clarkson. Yeah. Uh, with, there is also Brian Larkin, Julian Gardner, Jay Day, and then yeah, that was I, I actually I played. Twin, twin yeah. role in that movie was nice because one guy was missing. So we were yeah, like, yeah. Say, "Okay, you want to do another guy? Yeah, okay, let's do two. So that's that was my uh, actual debut in a f- real feature. Yeah, and 
And then I worked uh, this this year. I worked in a few projects. One with Ross uh, Boyeski and Vengeance Two. This is Vengeance Two, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 great. And uh, a couple of projects recently with my friend uh, Francois Mekea and uh, with the, another one also with. Both of them are with Luis Mandilor, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the one in uh, Romania. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. shot this in Romania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Um, you're Italian? Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, talk me through the Italian... Uh, w- w- when you were growing up, it, you grew up in Italy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was what were the options for you, sort of movie-wise, uh, in, in Italy? Uh, for me, it was mostly, you know, we are talking about 90s and... Early two thousands, yeah. So it was mostly TV, yeah, VHS, yeah, and later DVDs, yeah. And but at first I wasn't, I wasn't that much into into martial art movies. I was enjoying them when yeah. they were they were on, on TV, but I wasn't like a crazy nerd about you know martial art movies. I started to. To appreciate more as I was actually practicing martial arts, Chinese Kung Fu and stuff. So I started to grow this this need, as I said before, uh, about, you know, oh, I want, I want to do, you know, be on the other side. Yeah. It's like, for many years I was just thinking, it's just in my head, you know, yeah. it's impossible. How can you do it? I yeah. ended up, when you really insist in something, you really work hard and you spend your money in the right direction and you invest and you travel and you go and you do and you... Uh, Something if if you are good good with people and yeah. you do your things, you show what you can do, and you are not cocky, stupid, or something. You are good good person. Just a good try. attitude. Yeah, good yeah. attitude. That's yeah, very yeah. important, I think. In my, in my but did you and you have worked in Hong Kong? Um, uh, I worked in Chi- in China. In China, last, yeah. In China last year, and uh, I've been I've been in Hong Kong many times because one of my. Uh, Kung Fu teacher mm. uh, in Hong, Hong Kong, for example, is in Hong Kong. So I've been going there and living the the real tradition yeah. of Hong Kong, training eight hours a day, like having young chai every morning. Yeah, and it's very very Hong Kong. So yeah, I'm very. My heart is always is always there. Yeah. You've got a great look. You can do the moves. We've just seen you do a kung fu demonstration yeah. just there. They asked me that. Uh, Max, what's your what's your ambition? What's your goal? You're making inroads now into uh, definitely the, well, the UK film industry there as well, and yeah. um, you know working uh, you know in the rest of Europe as well. I mean, yeah. what what what's your what's your goal? Uh, my goal is I want to uh, get into more movies. Mm. And uh, I'm trying to go with movies that are always better or better budget, in, mm-hmm. you know, like just a step by step, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. My goal would be to uh, to play with uh, with the big guys, you know, to be to be there Jackie with the big guys. and the Donnie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying uh, like at the same level, you know, but just to be to be there, you know, and, yeah. and f- uh, fight with them, or and also. Uh, fight with the greats, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, have a chance to to be to, to learn from them, yeah. you know. Uh, we we all have been learning from them, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. Our, um, we still are. We are still are. We <laughs> yeah. always are. Like every movie I watch, I watch ten times the 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 fight, the fights, and the the looks and the, yeah. the moves, the what they put in in every every little detail. So working with with this guy would be an honor and. That was something I would like to do, and yeah. 
Who knows? Yeah. Maybe and and, in the US, and I would like to go. Yeah, and in America in as States, well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the world's your oyster then pretty much then, Max. Is that what you'd say? You you've got a world of opportunity. You know, you're you're willing to I've, go wherever the wherever yeah. the jobs are. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah. this I have this uh, this um this feeling and uh, that's what I want to do you know yeah yeah, yeah amazing yeah. and how helpful then is a festival like this would you say a festival like this is it's great it's mm. it's an amazing opportunity to meet people just you know just to have a coffee or something you know just to chat they know you know your face that, you know how you are because like you know social media are nice but sometimes you don't understand how actually how, how that people is this, this that person is or you make you make your own uh decision you know you say you judge you something but when you meet in person you know and you you break that mm. uh, that barrier um, you know that's very important because as everyone you know they also tony greenwood just said uh it's all about teamwork. It's about people, you know, working together. So in this, in this, in this, this for in the movies, but I think for for everything, you know, because you can't act alone. So yeah, of course. So um, this 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 festival is very important because um, you put people who have the same passion in the same place in a fantastic environment, so warm, so. Yeah. It's like a family. We just ate some food with Sue here. Yeah, just, yeah. We, we still smell the Chinese food. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 amazing, you know, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a yeah. very great opportunity, you know. I ended up working with people I met here last year. Yeah, that's I'm hearing that a lot. So people have come here. They've yeah. shown their short films yeah. here, their little indie films, uh, and then before you know it, you know, you're making contact with other people here, and then they're appearing in their films. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a great it's thing. Incredible, it's incredible. So. Uh, yeah, the, this uh, this festival it, it's it's really great. I, I hope it gets just bigger and bigger, but I'm pretty sure it will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, don't worry, don't worry. Um, I wanted to ask you also about. Um, you mentioned you mentioned their social media, and I'm just wondering, being an actor that's you know up and coming in this industry how important or do you feel like a pressure to um you know be uploading and be on social media a lot to get your name out there because it must be so important uh, yeah it is it is i'm not that kind of guy who posts every like every day free free videos are free i don't have the patience to do it no. you know and time also you know and so i try always to put some good contents every yeah. time when when I feel oh that's a good video of training of what I've done you know a nice picture with uh, someone I work with uh, or I'm working in that moment or something or uh, that's nice because you have to show you know that you are especially when you are upcoming you know that you are doing stuff yeah, that, yeah that's, that's 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 important and um, that's how how the world works at least now unfortunately least now. yeah it is it's yeah, more it's important I know sometimes because you see you know you have to always to get through all this social media thing but it's it's like a kind of advert. it's like a, a website a little bit of course yeah, you have a website but also uh, I use it as a website you yeah. know I try to yeah I use Instagram or Twitter as a website my Twitter is linked to my Websites or when I tweet, 
you know, in the yeah, news. Yeah, it goes to Yellow. Yeah, so it's just, I, I kind of use it like that. I try to put stuff I like uh, when it's ready, so it's like a kind of portfolio of yeah. your, your things. When someone opens your Instagram, for example, oh, nice. Yeah. You know, you're, that's, that's how I use it at yeah. least. But it's important, actually, even if, as we said, we discussed before, sometimes it's like a bit annoying, you know, like I would like to. <laughs> leave all, all yeah, all, yeah. All the just turn the phone off for yeah, a while. You can't, yeah. you can't. You, yeah. you have also many contacts, producers and stuff, and directors yeah. in your in your contacts in those in those platforms. So yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a way. So for now, it's like that. Maybe another one. Yeah, ten years gonna be different. We're yeah, gonna be like back to the eighties. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what can people see you in next? What will we see you in next, Max? Um, there is a project in pre-production, but it's like in terms of uh, script and um, treatment now. Yeah. Uh, being written in, uh, in Hong Kong yeah. at the moment, uh, which uh, should do the main part. So let's see. That's a leading That's, leading role. Yeah, 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 fantastic. But you know, you never know. Yeah. So I just I just leave it there, and. And other project, I'm I'm working on that. You know, we're pushing, as we said before, all over. You know, yeah. to 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 find some good good uh, good opportunities to learn, to work, to to share the set with with with, with great people. You know, that's yeah. very important because you learn a lot. I learned a lot so much from, from Brian Larkin. From yeah, some, just sharing that the time because you are there for so long time it's a few days but you are there all the time together so you learn you yeah. learn you learn yeah, yeah. that's good to, to be there and you know and absorb their, their yeah, feed of that energy acting or in yeah. choreographing or in yeah. whatever I just learn be always ready and to learn and yeah that's, that's a good thing yeah great well we, we, we wish you all the best Max thank uh, you. you know thank onwards you. and upwards I've got some quick fire questions just to, yeah. just to ask you just to, yeah. to end off here uh, favourite martial arts film favourite martial arts film uh, I think uh, First of Fury yeah First of okay Fury. yeah First of Fury Bloodsport because I'm Van Damme yeah. Yeah, crazy yeah. fan uh, they, they, I rewatched it last night uh Dragons, Dragons Forever. Oh, Dragons Forever. Fantastic. Uh, I kind of left it, you know, somewhere. Yeah. And then yesterday I watched it again. It's like, wow, it's back to my, one of my favorites. So, I know, yeah, I know. It still holds it's quite a power, doesn't it? UNBL is like... The best. All of them, but like UNBL really... Oh my God. I know, yeah. it's like... I mean, people were making like, just wowing in the in the audience, weren't they? You know, yeah, just I was one of them. Yeah, yeah, it's just, just I incredible. I was one of them. Uh, favorite film, just favorite film favorite in general. Film. Mm, Fight Club, probably. Yeah, good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite director? Favorite director. Uh, as an Italian, I would say Scorsese. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, well, there's lots of very good Italian, Italian directors. Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, oh, Tarantino, of course. American Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarantino. Uh, favorite actor slash actress? Okay. Uh, De Niro. Yeah, of course. Of course. The best. Uh, favorite food. Favorite food. Oh my god, so many. Uh, I think. Sp- sp- wait, wait, wait. Spaghetti with clams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Spaghetti good stuff. Yeah. Spaghetti favorite place to visit. Uh, Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> it's my second town. So. Yeah. 
yeah um, it's such a wild place isn't it it's yeah, great yeah, yeah I love yeah. it uh, fi- uh, any fitness tips fitness tips um, uh, be persistent constant yeah. yeah do it a bit every day start slowly if you are starting yeah um, work on resistance on uh, like stamina uh, on strength and on flexibility it's very important many people yeah. just forget it but yeah. even if you don't do martial art it's good to have flexible body so I think add some yoga in your routine or something that I think can help for your health yes and and diet as well diet yeah I uh, try not not to eat too much shit <laughs> but I think what I think is in, the, in training workout but also especially in diet I think don't eat um, um, the balance balance is very important yeah. so try to balance don't be too hard to yourself if you don't need to yeah. okay maybe I have to do a big role I have to be like shred or something like ripped yeah. and okay but the rest you can be like I think you can just be more balanced you yeah. know yeah, so yeah, sometimes yeah. more strict sometimes more balanced that's that's, what that's I the think. key yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, any hobbies outside of the film world and what do you like to get up to hobbies hobbies hobbies, hobbies. Uh, play guitar yeah yeah I play guitar and sing because I like I like rock and roll music yeah stuff great like that. and uh, reading yeah reading and actually reading Born identity. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Moments. Great. And like, I read, read, yeah. Um, and any life lessons or any words of wisdom that, you know, someone's told you, whether okay. it's to do with your career or um, just personally? Yeah, there is a, uh, a motto, let's say, from the, the Romans, you know, that's in Latin, that's good, said in Latin is gutta calvat lapidem, that means the, the drop digs the rock. That makes sense. The stone, yeah, that digs the stone. So, dun, 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 dun. keep going, keep yeah. going, keep going. Don't give up. If it is what you want, don't give up. Something's gonna happen in the, in the way to from here, from here to there. If you don't move, nothing gonna happen. Yeah. You're just gonna stay there. Yeah, and that's yeah, really, really, something can happen. That's if you that's put the your heart you and in. your yeah. passion and your uh, time and your it's sacrifice I know they have to sacrifice a lot of things a lot of stability a lot of yep. but if it is what your heart or your soul really wants is that where you want to go so you keep going yeah. the 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 drop takes the rock the yeah. stone yeah. very good Max we wish you all the best enjoy thank the rest you. of the festival what's left of it thank you cool thank you thank you very much Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.